Welcome to Nine to Thrive, a podcast about making a life that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Janet McKenna-Lowry, and today we'll be talking with Meg Birch, a nurse and former epidemiologist and newly minted Taekwondo teacher, about dealing with anxiety, setting intentions, directing your energy, and the growth mindset, like you haven't listened to this episode yet. today with Meg and we're going to talk about um, balancing work and uh, community and creativity and um, you can start with any of those Meg thanks for coming today you are welcome Um, balancing work and creativity and community so um, I'll have to say I'm gonna just say that there was a period of time maybe that ended about two years ago where there wasn't a whole lot of balance. Mm. Um, I was I work full time and I have an additional job on top of that. And at the time I was on my local board of health and then was on some task force both locally in my town and countywide that had to do with um, fighting Kinder Morgan and a pipeline that was meant to come through our town. Oh wow. Um, and that became kind of all-encompassing for about 18 months. And um, at some point in that, I was like, it was when I sort of realized, like, oh, there is no balance here. Mm. Because it was just, I would work, and then I would be doing pipeline stuff, and I would be at meetings, and on, you know, the various committees that I was on, and writing reports, and reading reports, and reading Kinder Morgan's 4,000 page, you know, proposal for this pipeline. Wow. Um, and being able to stand up at meetings saying, but you know, on this section here, you said this. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> they didn't know what was in their own. Well, they, it wasn't that they didn't know, but at one point I asked one of the guys about it and he said, what did you do? Read the gosh damn report? I said, well, Yeah. <laughs> And he was like, nobody does that. I'm like, well, I did. I, so, they were in anyway. a legal battle. Of course someone's going to read the reports. <laughs> they didn't expect the, you know, a little local, basically volunteer board of health member from a you know, teeny town to be one of the ones saying, but... <laughs> um, anyway, so that was a point where I, def- I sort of had to really think about, okay, what am I doing in my life? What's important am I doing the things that are important to me um and 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 the pipeline got it it they withdrew their application great um well done yeah um so it's it's gone for now is how I think of it Mm. um especially with the current climate in the U.S. is that how is that why you ended up stopping would you have kept going if it was still um I probably, because I'm stubborn enough, would have kept going, but I was pretty exhausted at that point. Yeah. Um, and, 
you know, I have, I had two kids still at home and, or maybe one, no, one had graduated and was in college at that point. Um, but so another kid still at home and who, you know, needed stuff. And so basically it was work, pipeline, my volunteer, you know, all the, all of the sort of ancillary volunteer things that went along with that. Um, my son and anything else that was asked of me. And then it was sort of like, oh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, too tired I'm going to bed so there was no me in that right so that was a point where I was sort of like oh zero balance right time to kind of reclaim were you elected to the health board is that a thing yep. oh wow so you had to like stand for election and all that it's not hard in my town <laughs> it's not that impressive <laughs> I think you should go with it it sounds great <laughs> it looks good on a resume yeah yeah so so that was around the point where I thought, okay, not so much balance, time to figure out how to scale back from things. So when Kinder Morgan withdrew, that worked out really well for me because then all of a sudden I was off of three different committees that I had been on. Um, and so no longer had meetings every single night um, that would go till you know, late. Um, and declined an invitation to go on the countywide planning board mm. um, because I was just like, nope, nope, nope. This is about scaling back, not about adding things. Um, was that was it hard? Was it hard to say no? It was really hard to say no. Yeah. It was really hard to say no um, because I think I would have been really good mm. um, with nursing background and epidemiology background and... Um, I do well in that kind of forum where you're maybe talking about things and you have to be able to look at it both from the small scale of a town. In this case, it's a it's a Franklin County Regional Planning Board. Mm. So also looking at it from the regional perspective and towns have different needs and there's 31 towns in the planning, in the FERCOG, I think. 26 Franklin County and then I think there are four others that... Mm. Um, so anyway, it, it was hard, but it was also, I knew it was the right decision. Yeah. And so I just had to keep telling myself that it was like, nope, you have to do the right decision. <laughs> um, and it's a, you know, it was left as an open door that, um, if I ever was at a place where I felt like I wanted to do it again, um, I can contact the person and say, hmm. you still looking for planning board members? You still think I'd be a good fit with what's going on? And yeah from there but is that something you'd be interested in picking up again or do you feel like you've served yeah. your time yeah. yeah 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 i'm kind of definitely gone kind of past that now yeah um but then that so then the spring just over two years ago um one of the things i did was um i was just sort of thinking about okay what am i doing what am i doing for myself how am i taking care of myself um and when my boys were little, I practiced um, Taekwondo. Uh-huh. And so I called up the um, the master at the school that I studied and I said, what do I need to do to come back? <laughs> and he <laughs> said, quite simply, show up. <laughs> Class times haven't changed. <laughs> um, and it had been, the, my best guess is like 14 years. Wow. Um, and so I went back and I went back in April and by June I had three broken ribs. And, Whoa. Um, 
And so then I was out for a while, and then I got back, and then I hurt my knee not doing Taekwondo. I hurt my knee hiking, and I was like, man, oh man. Um, But I just kept kind of like doing whatever I had to do to get my body back. And I would go with whatever limitations I had, and I would do as much of class as I could do. Yeah. Um, Because it was the kind of thing that when I, even the days I didn't want to go, well, soon, you know, about usually five to ten minutes into class, then I would sort of be like, oh, <laughs> this is exactly what I needed to be doing tonight. Yeah, um, yeah. Or this morning. One of the, It's a morning class one day a week. So, um, yeah, so I've been doing that, and I've tested three times since I went back. And you are qualified as, as a teacher, did you say? I just, did I just yeah. passed my teaching test. So nice. in my school, it's a first black stripe on a red belt. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have another test that will be a second black stripe, and then the test after that is my black belt. Whoa! So, yeah, um, it's, it's been, it's been great, um, for the physical exercise, the sort of mental health, um, general, mm, general keeping perspective. I don't know how to really say that in a better Mm. way, but, um, you know, so much about Taekwondo is what you bring into the dojong. And Mm. so, um, you know, if I go in and I'm just like struggling to do something, then it's all about whatever, it's all about struggling. Mm. Um, whereas if I can just sort of show up and set my intention for that day and, um, and it's been fascinating. So if I can set my intention, then that tends to be the kind of class I have. Mm. Um, what's been fascinating and in a way unexpected, but once I really thought about it, it makes perfect sense, is the, the things that come up in class um, when I'm really learning something and I'm getting feedback. You know, they're, they're the, it's life. Mm. It's life. And so, um, for a while, we do these things called one steps, where the idea is somebody, you know, and they're, you have a partner, they do a simulated punch, and you have to block it and counter that punch. And um, up to a certain rank, they're, they're set. You just learn what you're supposed to do, and that's what you do. Okay. Beyond that, you learn other things and you get to be creative and you get to make them up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will sometimes just freeze. I'll like do a block and then I'll be like, ah, (laughs) and, um, a couple of the black belts will say to me, stop thinking, stop thinking, just go, 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 do something, do something. Um, and it's just, it's very interesting to sort of see where I get caught in things there. Um, or things that I, feel like I've messed up and then they'll say until you went Ugh, nobody knew you had messed up that's <laughs> funny like, I never think of those I never think of a discipline martial arts discipline as improv but you're discussing you're like actually talking about it like it's improv it's absolutely improv and there is definitely theater <laughs> in in doing one steps and in even doing the forms because so much of it is what do you you know you're 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 doing these uh, the forms are they're forms so there's a series of moves that are established and there is a right way to do them and a wrong way to do them. But what you bring to that 
mm. form, what energy you bring, what your presence is when you do that form, and ha- what, whether you hold a move a, a second longer, mm. or you know, than than something else to just give it that extra little emphasis, mm. um, really changes it. And then in the one steps, we talk about. Um, you know, so somebody punches, I block and I counter them, then part of it is then there's the drama because I'm not actually going to do whatever it is I'm simulating that I'm going to do. Right. Um, but we do takedowns. And so if you're being taken down, if when you go down, you slap the floor, right. You know, then you, you really get <laughs> this like wrestling. Walk. <laughs> it is a little bit like wrestling. Um, I never thought of that, but yeah, um, <laughs> So that's kind of fun, and 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 again, so much of it is just how do you how do you present? You know, if you kind of go like uh, 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 through the moves and without a whole lot of mm, anything, mm. it's not going to be so impressive. Um, well, you mentioned setting intentions, and I wrote a little note. What did you mean by that? So for me, it means thinking about. Um, I guess it's 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 thinking about. What like what am I doing there, mm. right? If I'm in class and I can't let go of that, you know, awful conversation I had with a coworker um, that I'm going to have to deal with the next day, then my practice is going to be all about that energy. Mm. Whereas if I can sort of say, okay, you're here, so you're going to be present here. And you're just going to, you're going to keep it light, Mm. you know? And so that will be sort of my intention going into class Mm -hmm. is not care, not bringing in whatever I'm carrying. Mm. Um, And, you know, sometimes, especially when like, if I know there's a test coming up or something like that, or if I'm learning a new form, my intention will be to be, um, to, to be, um, maybe to really hold a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And so hold on to the idea that, yep, I'm going to make mistakes. Mm. I'm going to fail. Okay. <laughs> Not going to get it right. Okay. Got it. Is there a meditation piece to Taekwondo? There is a meditation piece to Taekwondo. Um, a formal meditation. We start class with a short meditation time. Okay. We end class with a short meditation time. Um, and I would actually argue that some of the forms are pretty meditative. Mm. Um because if you are just in the form, and especially if you think about um, what the meaning of the form is. Um, uh, so, like, what the first form is um, lake. Uh, I just always thought they were fake fights. <laughs> well, they are. Yeah. They are. I mean, they're, they're a series of counters with visible attackers. Right. Um, and it's a way of practicing certain combinations of blocks and strikes and kicks. But it's also, you can't, you can't do the form if you're distracted. Mm. You can't do the form if you're thinking about, what am I making for dinner tonight? Right. You can't. You have to be just in what you're doing. And when you can think about, you know, there's one of the forms is um, the way of thunder and... When, you, when I think about that form, there is so, you know, it fits. It oh. fits that. And so that's a form, especially if I've had, you know, 
rough days or whatever, that's a form where I'll just sort of say, okay, like here's a really good place for me to put that energy Mm. into this form and let it translate out as power. Do you get into flow states? Flow states? Yeah. Flow states are like when you know something so well, you, um, it just kind of goes through you instead of by you. Sometimes with forms I will. Yeah. Um, and then, and I don't, the, the only reason I sort of say that I think I do that is because there are times where we'll do something out of order, like we'll do forms out of order, or we'll do them facing a different way, mm-hmm. and everybody is completely flummoxed, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and sometimes, you know, the uh, one class recently, one of the black belts was, was leading, and they called the next form, and they had skipped one. And the entire class started the one they had skipped. Oh, interesting. Even though it wasn't the one he had said for us to do. We all did the one that would have been next in the order. <laughs> and he's like, I thought I said, Yuk Chung. And we were like, yeah, but Sa Jung's next. <laughs> um, and so you have, you know, 20 people all just not even, well, I don't know if there was 20 that day, but. Yeah, all just going into the next form because that's what's next. Yeah. And that's and then if you do the forms out of order, it can be really hard. Is that a thing you do just to, you know, like um, just to memorize the betters go out of order? Or is it really that they belong in an order and the order is the order? Mm. You can do them out of order. Yeah. And you can do them. Traditionally, we do them at the end of class. Mm-hmm. Starting with the with the first form and going, you know, you go through until you've reached your highest form, and then you sit, you bow, and you sit mm. down. Um, when I taught class, I actually started with a form, with our first form, and then I had them all through class, and I I arranged it so we finished with the last form. Mm. Um, and it was very different to do other things in between the forms, mm. um, and it was it was perfectly acceptable. It. You know, it was sort of a different way of teaching it. Yeah. Um, and it changed how the forms felt. Yeah. 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 So doing Taekwondo was a big piece for me of um, creating balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's more creative than I would have thought. That's very interesting. I mean, I'm familiar with it. And yeah. um, my kids took it. But, um, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. You'll all hear the black belts talk to, especially, um, there was a big test this past June of, I don't know, there must have been eight black belts went up a rank. Um, and one of the things that I would hear in classes leading up to that were occasionally there would be feedback from one of the masters to somebody saying, I really liked your interpretation of hmm. that, you know, cause it, and it's, so there's, there is this, this room for interpretation within following exactly what the prescribed moves are well that makes it like choreography yeah interesting yeah 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 wow um yeah (laughs) taekwondo taekwondo that's Um, very interesting yeah i thought that's that was a neat place to go with that um all right and then uh you balance that with being a nurse Uh uh-huh yeah how long have you been a nurse I've been a nurse for eight years. Okay. Um, and worked as a school nurse for seven. Mm. Um, and I, for th- two and a half years, have been a nurse leader for the district that I work in, 
which is just basically additional administrative responsibilities mm. that um, theoretically happen outside of school hours, but practically happen mm. whenever they happen, <laughs> whenever something goes on that, yeah. And what made you become a nurse? Because you were an epidemiologist for a while, right? I was an epidemiologist, um, and I had been working for almost nine years, nine and and a half years, I guess, um, for a company that was a private company that did mostly occupational epidemiology. Um, They also did a lot of litigation support. Okay, um, litigation support, I can guess that, but what's occupational epidemiology? Although it's really fun to say, and I'm very pleased I could say it. <laughs> so occupational epidemiology would be things like um, studies of vinyl chloride workers. Oh. That then determined that... Or like the popcorn lung people, like that? The popcorn lung Yeah, people. you know, you know the... Um, you know, buttered, buttered microwave uh, popcorn? They put that stuff in there, and then some of them get popcorn lung... That, yeah, that, that's would, that? that would be that would be yeah that, that would be, be that. Um, not that wouldn't be occupational epidemiology. Oh really? Oh, unless it was the unless it was the workers. It was making. the workers? Oh oh oh, then yeah, it would it be. Sorry, packaging. I thought you were saying it was people eating. No no the, yeah, no, no. The oh, eaters yeah. were fine. It was the packagers that were. Oh yeah, that's absolutely coming. occupational epidemiology. Wow. Yeah. Black lung. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So what Asbestos, happened, what happened silica, with polyvinyl chloride. Chlorate. What happened with that? It's a liver carcinogen. Really. Vinyl chloride. And isn't it what they make, like, car seats out of? Or yeah. pipes? PVC? Polyvinyl there's different. There's different form. I didn't work on that project, so I yeah. don't have... And at this point, it's been a while. Yeah. Anyway, so I didn't have the knowledge. <laughs> I'm very curious about But there was... It was a particular... Um, uh, it was a particular formulation, chemical formulation, that was... Uh-huh. Um, that was problematic. And did you find that, because um, you had kids before, you had kids while you were doing that, um, is the nursing a better, was that a better deal for like parenting and scheduling and stuff? For parenting and scheduling, it was way better. Yeah. Um, because my when I started as a school nurse, my boys were um, both in, one was in middle school and one was in high school. Mm. And so we were on the same school calendar. And, you know, I would be done with work a little you know, 45 minutes or an hour after they got out of school or, and it meant that I could go to sports games and I could pick them up from practice when it ended at four instead of five and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just gave me a whole level of flexibility. It was really nice to have. Nice. Is that why you did it? I did it. So I did it. Um, I, in, in the company I was working for, I was, I did some work early on on uh, dry cleaning chemicals, perchloroethylene specifically. Yeah. Um, And I did a critical review with, um, there were a couple of us that worked on it, of the literature for that, and then we did one on silica. And, um, And then from that, I ended up kind of getting diverted into the litigation support work that when I started doing it was very theoretical. Um... It was kind of like, well, if there's two exposures and um, both companies are liable for the health expenses of the workers, how do you how do you decide who has to pay okay. what if both things can cause the same cancer in this case? Um, and um, and so a lot of the work that we did had to do with how do you apportion um, risk. 
Mm. Um, when there's when there's two exposures and they're not additive exposures. This was um, looking at uh, asbestos and uh, tobacco, mm. and so both of them cause lung cancer. Together, they cause more lung cancer than it's a synergistic effect. Oh. And so it's not just adding the two risks together; it's actually a multiplicative. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, and it's if if you were if it, back in the day if you were an asbestos worker. Who smoked? Yeah, your risk of lung cancer was really high. Wow! Compared to a asbestos worker that didn't smoke, or somebody who was a smoker but didn't work with asbestos. Yeah. So we got pulled in on a litigation project trying to figure out, you know, basically who had to pay more for which which various lung diseases. Right. Um, and that work continued for a while, and um but over time became more plaintiff specific and less kind of uh. class action or theoretical. Um, and then it really was not what I wanted to be doing. Mm. Um, because the, we were always hired by the, um, by the defense. So by the big corporation. Oh, right. And that, you know, there's just yeah. a point where you feel like, you know, really, 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 you're going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, and it was at a time when there weren't a lot of projects. Um, and I had started thinking that, you know, um, while I, I still passionately love epidemiology, what I didn't like about what the work I was doing was I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was doing public health and Mm. I really wanted to be doing public health Mm. more than corporate defense okay for sure um if i had been working on some kind of you know a big occupational study i might have i may have felt differently i may have felt more inclined to um more would have felt that it was a better fit but Uh um in any case so i started looking for other jobs um and the jobs that so um I'm just going to back up and say, so the, um, my husband is an artist and has his shop at home. Mm. And as an epidemiologist, I had opportunities where I could have moved to Boston or I could have moved uh, to Atlanta, you know, or oh, right. there Atlanta. was a position open right. at one point, um, in Fort Collins that was like right up what I wanted to be doing with infectious disease, um, epidemiology. Um, but he had kids, and by the time, at that point, we also had two small t- kids together, and so the logistics around moving a blended family were right. kind of overwhelming. Right. Um, and so when I looked around um, the area that I lived in, it was, there wasn't a lot of jobs out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the jobs that I saw that were interesting, either with the Department of Public Health or with local hospitals, all required an RN. Oh, okay. And so I sort of went, oh, I don't really want to go back to school. (laughs) Um, And I kind of stayed where I was for another, I don't know, year, 18 months. And then there was enough of a slowdown at that point. And um, I had no projects. And so I got laid off. Oh, okay. Um, Which was one of those moments where you go, oh, my God, I've just been laid off from my job. And then you go, oh. I've just been laid off for my job. <laughs> this is pretty good. So, um, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time looking for work. 
um, about six months, and then our local community college had an open registration day. And on a whim, I walked in and said, so, <laughs> what do I need to do? Um, and I happened to talk with um, someone who was the head of the science department at that point, and she waved me out of a couple courses, and I walked out of huh. there and enrolled in the prerequisites that I needed for the nursing program. <laughs> it was kind of like, what, what, what happened here? Um, but it was great. It was, it, was, it was definitely one of those things where I was like, oh, my God, I'm going back to school again. Right. Um, and doing graduate work with babies... Right. It is surprisingly easy compared to doing something like a nursing program when you have school aged Really? Oh, way. <laughs> the babies stay where you put them. They take naps. Wow. They like sleep. That, that is that is a unique perspective. They, on they don't have that sports practice so and other extracurricular. Guess, yeah. <laughs> they don't need help with their calculus. <laughs> that you're like, oh, calculus. I know I did well in that 30 years ago. Um, so, yeah, their lives are simpler. Wow. Yeah. They need more care, but their yeah. lives are simpler. Yeah, they need more care and you get less sleep. Yeah, but if you're in school, you get less sleep anyway. So. <laughs> that's, that's just part of it. But um, anyway, so that's, uh, yeah, so then I, and, and when I graduated nursing school, I had been thinking about... Um, maybe trying to get into infectious disease um, work or wound care, which I know many people would be like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually found bizarrely fascinating. Um, and somebody I knew had asked me, somebody, uh, the school nurse in my town had asked me a number of times if I thought I would want to do school nursing. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, and on her, partly because she kept pestering me, I signed up to sub uh-huh. um, in the district and um, thought, oh, this is kind of fun. <laughs> um, and she subsequently put in for retirement. Oh, wow. And um, I applied for <laughs> the clever. job and I got it. Wow. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I would hire somebody with as little nursing experience as I had at that point. <laughs> Uh, I had a, I had a year of nursing experience, um, but uh, you know, school nursing you you're it. Yeah. You're, you're the medical person in the building, and whether your contract says you take care of adults or not, they're going to show up in your office, and kids are going to show up in your office, and yeah. sometimes they're really sick, and sometimes they're not, and sometimes there's something really wrong with them that you just kind of go like, I don't feel good about this, yeah. you know, and. Um, and depending on your population, it can be challenging, more right. challenging, just depending on the needs of your of your population. Right. Oh, oh, uh, you may not be able to answer this, but um, uh, I know the whole Franklin County's had terrible uh, um, opioids. opioid problems. Is that is that something you have to deal with up in your little town? Um, I keep Narcan in the nurse's office. Okay. Um, and I fought hard to make that happen in all of the elementary schools in our district. Mm. Um, we already had it at the high school, um, for longer we have had it at the high school. Um, and one of the things I realized is, um, and there were a couple of, you know, anecdotal, um, but 
I don't know. Anecdotal insofar, it was someone from the state saying that this happened in a school in the Commonwealth. So mm-hmm. um, there was one instance where, um, and I know some in another state, a teacher died, um, OD'd uh, in his classroom. Ooh. Um, and that actually there was somebody OD'd and uh, survived in a Massachusetts school. Um, and there was another instance where a parent dropped her uh, early child, you know, pre-K or kindergarten student off at school and um, OD'd in the car. Oh, right. Um, and in both instances, there was Narcan available. Oh, that's good. Um, so my feeling is, you know... Have it around. Have it around. Yeah. The, I, the I don't point... expect to use it on my students. Right. The, right. No, the poignant story I heard um, last year when they were talking about um, it being a real problem in um, rural Massachusetts was uh, some parent who went to a little league game. Think and the logic that she had was, if I OD, I'll be around people. Mm. So she was actually timing her usage. With the thought, and it's kind of, it's twisted in a way, but it was also a way so that not just her kids would be with her. Um, and, and in fact, it was the Little League coach saying, I now want to keep Narcan around because um, yeah. I can't be, I can't eradicate this on my own, but at least I can make sure that, you know, you give somebody a chance to, yeah, yeah, you give yeah. somebody a chance. Yeah, it was a really, it was a, it was a, it's like you're dealing with it. It was just a very interesting overlay that's kind of come up in the last couple yeah. of years. And we have had, you know, um, in our district, we've had um, nobody has OD'd in a building, mm. um, but we have had um, people OD. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, it's in our community. We, we, we've had families that ended up in the foster care system. Does that come under public health when you were talking earlier about being on public health committees and stuff? Is that something that, that town... Some towns will deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious whether that had become sort of written as a public health hazard or public health concern. You know, I think for community, like my community, you know, communities where you've got maybe public parks, you might have regulations mm. around having um, sharps containers in public bathrooms and right, you know, right, that right. kind of stuff. Those those would be things that the Board of Health might say, look, we really need to do this. Right, right. Um, because we need a place for these things to be other than the curb or right. the playground or what have you. Um, for my town, not not, not really. Not so much. So, um, what's, so what's your favorite part about what you do right now? Um, no two days are the same. Um, and I, I get to do, um, you know, I, I, I talk about, I've got, you know, my, my darlings, my Mm -hmm. students that are, you know, three to 12 years old. Um, and, um, taking care of them and working, trying, you know, collaborating with families, um, when there's an issue going on, whether it's a health issue or, um, just, you know, somebody is struggling and, you know, we're kind of all putting our heads together to figure out how to support the student in the best way possible for them to be available. You know, my job as a school nurse is for the student is, is to support the student so that they can be there to do their job, which is to learn. Mm. And so 
um, you know, and it's a small community, so I know all the families and I know all the kids mm. and, um, and, um, you know, that's, you know, there are certainly days where I'm trying to get some, you know, stupid report done and a kid will come in with, you know, nothing <laughs> <laughs> and be like, nurse Meg, I need a bandaid. <laughs> and, you know, I'm looking and I'm going like, I don't see it. Um, <laughs> And having to sort of take, you know, do that mental, like, whoop, step back. <laughs> They're not here because there's an actual cut. They're here because they need something from you, Nurse Aww. Meg. Um, and so being able to be that person for kids sometimes is just incredibly rewarding. Um, to just be able to give them the hug that they need or put a Band-Aid on something that doesn't need a Band-Aid or, you know, teach them about why you know what the no that's a scab and that's your body's band-aid and that's perfect and like your body is so cool look at what it's doing and then they forget that they're you know stressed out about whatever's happening in the classroom because i've I've gone off on some little (laughs) tangent about physiology about wound healing um so and you know so there is the this constant teaching yeah. Constant teaching and, and just trying to read where people are at and figure out what they need. And do you um, feel like your life is kind of in balance now with the things that you do? You're saying it was out out of whack? Do you feel it, like you've got a point right now where it's 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 yeah, I feel like it is. I feel like um because I've also added um I, I I'm gonna back up so after Taekwondo after I went back to Taekwondo mm. somewhere in there, um I had the kind of the realization, and I I framed it at the time as the as the realization that my world had gotten very small, mm. and that I needed to think about how to make my world bigger. And so, for about a year, every single day, I would set the intention of you need to do something today, yeah, that makes your world a little bit bigger. Yeah, and it could just be interacting with somebody different you know in a in a different setting that I maybe wouldn't have necessarily struck up a conversation with or um reading something that's outside of my usual stuff that I would read um uh-huh. and uh and that's around cool. the time that I sort of set that intention I got invited to join a group of women who cycle and I got uh-huh. joined, invited to join a book group and um this whole sort of other world um kind of opened up to me from this new social circle that I was invited into. And, um, and then I just started also, you know, making more time for the things that I wanted to be doing, whether it was going to concerts and reaching out to friends that, you know, I had gotten out of the habit of reaching out to, um, when kids were small and you just, you know, nobody had any free time because you were going 18 different directions and it was always like, okay, how am I going to get all of these things done on, you know, the day that I'm not working and the kids have to be ba da ba da and I've got to do this and this, you know, like that became life. Right. And so it was, it, it did take a, a sort of an act of saying, okay, I'm going to wake up each morning and I'm going to say, what do I want to do today? <laughs> What's one thing I want to do today? Yeah. Um, and it didn't have to be anything, and chores don't count. <laughs> But it had to be something that, like, yeah, I'd actually, I would like to do that. Yeah. Um, and trying to to just make that a habit. Um, That's a neat approach. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so it, it's work, though. Yeah. Um, 
it's it it's work in the sense that it's easy to fall back into old habits. Right. And so it's making the time, kind of claiming the time. Yeah. Um to have in your own head. Um I get up early. I get up about five most days. Uh-huh. Um, and I start my day drinking a cup of coffee and I don't have a device and I don't have a book. Like I just drink a cup of coffee. Um <laughs> and that's my kind of like just let my mind unfold about the day and mm-hmm. figure out, you know, what what comes to the surface, whether it's a worry or a have to, and then kind of okay. Let's put that aside. Mm. Can't do anything about that right now. Mm. Um, and then just try to uh. to go. And when I'm when I do it, it's great. <laughs> when I don't do it, I find myself getting a little afraid, and then I have to sort of say, "Oh yeah, like okay, because you haven't been taking the time you need." Yeah, yeah. Making the time you need. Well, I also often ask people um, whether they have any advice they'd give their younger self. Hmm. You can't do it all. Hmm. And, um, and I think had I known about, um, I use a model with kids of, um, dealing with anxiety, um, that when I learned about that, it was the same time where in the building I work in, um, as a full staff, teaching staff and ancillary staff, we were, um, sort of for a month, we're just focusing on reading and learning about growth mindset. Uh-huh. And the two kind of complement each other. Um, because the approach to anxiety has to do with, um, instead of trying to make it go away, or, you know, reassure or anything like that, the approach says um, you're going to expect it to show up. And so when you realize you're anxious, you go, oh, hmm, yep. Okay, I'm anxious. Uh-huh. Not a big surprise. Um, and then it becomes about how do you externalize it? So you're not the anxiety. It's this other thing that's going to keep you from doing what you want to do okay. or interfere with what you want to do in some way it's gonna it it wants to be the boss and you don't and i that's how i talk with kids about it yeah you know anxiety is gonna like they want to like be the boss of you like (laughs) do you really want anxiety to like make the decision about what you do at recess like that just seems like weird (laughs) um and and then you experiment you you play around with it you try something and and that's where the sort of it complements the growth mindset Mm. um because there are going to be times where you do something and you go yep that didn't work. Well, explain growth mindset for a minute. So what I think of growth mindset is is the understanding that um, we learn from being challenged. We learn from making mistakes. Mm. And so if if we sort of stay in this in this mindset that says, um, I always have to get it right and um, I can't it's it's very narrow it's a very narrow mindset um i don't i have a harder time explaining like the opposite of the mindset um you know one one of the things i think of is you know so somebody who has a fixed mindset um they're going to say yeah i i can't learn languages i see yeah can't do it yeah. or i'm not good at math yeah 
Nope. That's the classic. Yeah. Right. Um, and so all of a sudden you've made your world smaller. You've narrowed your options. You've, you've defined yourself in a way that may or may not be accurate. Right. Um, whereas if you take that same statement and you add the word yet mm-hmm. to the end, then you're practicing a growth mindset. Right. Um, and so, um, I know I do that in Taekwondo. There was a kick that I was really struggling with for a while. And I kept saying like, oh my God, I just cannot do, you know, hook kicks. And then I was like, wait, you got to add yet to that. <laughs> and it changes. Like, if you think about it, if you say to yourself, I can't do that. Right. And then you, t- and you repeat that to yourself and say, I can't do that yet. Yeah. The it's door a- is open. You've, you've just created space. Yeah. And you've just created opportunity for yourself. Yeah. To grow. And, and, and maybe, maybe you will find out that, you know, say it's learning an instrument. You're not going to be yo-yo ma. But that doesn't mean yet. that you won't yet. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you won't get enjoyment out of the process right. of learning it. And so growth mindset is more about the process. Right. Um, it's not about so much the end result. Right. Um, so I, I think that like those pieces of it are what I would tell my younger self. Yeah. Um, is really embrace the growth mindset and, um, and, and it's, it's more about just noticing, mm-hmm. noticing life and what your relationship to it is. So when something happens and you feel stressed out, you kind of go, Oh, hmm, that's really stressing me out. Yeah. It's just a very different response to acting on that stress. I have to say, it's kind of nice. The thought of a um, school nurse having that kind of, information to give children <laughs> yeah and their parents and their parents and their parents well meg thanks so much thanks for Absolutely. coming on my podcast this is really fun yeah you are welcome it's fun to do it i'd like to thank meg birch for being here today whether it's taekwondo or running for local office go do something awesome start now even if you don't have all the answers that's it for this week's nine to thrive podcast be sure to visit working9tothrive.com, that's with the number 9, to access links, info, and to join the conversation. We're on Twitter, at 9to Thrive, and Facebook, at Working9to Thrive. Thanks for listening.